Why don't we say a big, huge thank you to the worship team this morning for the wonderful. Uh, just thank you guys so much for being here. Whether you are a regular face here at New Song or this is your Easter Sunday that you come to church and you are just visiting us for the first time, you are welcome here. Um, look at that cross. Isn't that beautiful? I looked at it and I was like, what a funky looking cross. Like some pieces are out, some pieces are down, some pieces are all around. And I was like, that, I think that's a perfect illustration for our church, really. We're all sorts of different things in this room together here today. We're all sorts of rounds and rounds and walks of life and walks of faith. And maybe some of you are here, you couldn't wait to be here this morning. Maybe some of you were dragged here by the ear and you had to be here this morning. Or maybe some of you are just barely here. This is what you could pull off today, just, just barely sitting in this seat. We are so glad you're here. I'm Melody, I'm one of the pastors here at New Song. And welcome this morning, thank you. Um, we have so many things that go on here. Yesterday we uh, host a pantry, the youth group uh, was uh, hosting the pantry where we served over 220 people yesterday, yes. Uh, we have a community garden where it is open to the community, where you are free to enjoy whenever you like. Um, but we uh, open that to the community. We have just all sorts of things happening. The best, 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 best way, if you're checking us out and want to know a little bit more about us, is to know two things about us, and then you gotta do a third thing. So to know one thing is to read this, is our mission statement is that we hope to be transformed by the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus, love people, and do good. And we believe that all those things work hand in hand, and you can't do one thing without the other. And then the other thing we believe in is up on this wall. It says, in essentials, unity. We believe that Jesus is risen from the dead today, yes? We believe that he came to die for you and me, amen? Uh, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, love, love. So those are two really important things to know about our church here at New Song. And the third thing that you're gonna have to do if you're visiting is get a connect card that is right in front of you and fill out some information. And Pastor Grant and I, at the end of the service here, will give you a little bit of instruction, but we would love you to hand that to us directly. Hand it to us directly, or we might chase you down in the parking lot as we have been known to do. <laughs> Who's been chased down by one of us? Several people here, yes. Okay, so please, please fill that out, or you know, we might not let you leave. Um, fill that out and you'll just get to know, you'll get to know we have men's uh, meetings, we have women's group, there's a women's tea at the end of the month that is really exciting. Sign up for that soon, ladies. Um, but um, there's lots of things. Youth group is going bowling. I can't do it all. I mean, I have t limited time here and it's Easter. So God bless you this morning. Will you join me in prayer as we uh, continue on our gathering. Yes, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this morning, God. Thank you for each and every person here, God, whether, again, they came and they couldn't wait to bolt out the door and be here this morning, whether they were told they had to be here this morning, whether they are just barely making it through this morning, Lord. Lord, I pray for each of our hearts, for each of our 
Oh, just that you would just touch us, Lord, that you would um, speak to us as only you can. Lord, open our uh, ears to hear the words you have prepared Grant to say this morning. Lord, would we be uh, just open to the possibility of what today might hold. Lord, we ask this in your name. Amen. Let's welcome our lead pastor, Grant. Whoa. Clumsy me. <laughs> what? That's a good trick. Is this the peanut gallery? <laughs> Farid and Tara. Oh my goodness. Here we go. So, so we're uh, in a series currently uh, for the whole season of Lent entitled Spoiler Alert. Um, and it's looking at stories and events in the Bible that we may think we know the ending or the conclusion or the story. And, you know, but perhaps we're missing some crucial information that is maybe a little harder to notice on first glance. And, you know, over time, we, we just remember the probably more dramatic parts of stories, but there's so much life involved in the biblical stories and the events of Scripture uh, that it records. So there may be something maybe seemingly insignificant or small, yet is so vital to our ability to understand the story, live into the story, and actually be changed by it. So the idea for this came when I was with a friend of mine, when I used to live up in Washington State, a pastor friend of mine, and a really funny guy, and we were going to see a film about Jesus, the life of Jesus, and he just kind of, his dry humor, was like, you know, Grant, it's kind of a bummer when you go see a movie and you already know how it's going to end, right? So just like, I was thinking about that, thinking, well, I know how it ends, so all good, right? Um, so we, we've done various stories about Esther and Moses and Jonah, uh, trying to explore maybe parts of the story we might not have seen the first time around. Um, and today is the kind of penultimate of this, it's, it's the Easter story, it's, it's the story. We have declared today that Christ is risen, and still the same today in 2023 as it was in the first century when that cataclysmic event took place, and all the years since then. It's a unique moment in all of human history, not just human, but in cosmic history, changing everything. Um, and it's present here in all of its beauty and power and hope for us. And it is the single truth that I place my confidence and my trust in, that death has been mastered, conquered, and rendered ultimately powerless to stop life and love and relationships. Christ has done this. Jesus is the central person of all history. He is the answer to all of our deepest questions. Even though there is much mystery and doubt is okay, questions are good. Jesus is a solution to our guilt and our shame, our selfishness, our stuckness. He is the satisfier of our deepest longings. He is our companion in suffering. He is the one who's dealt with the sin that separates us from God and from one another, who offers us eternal life, removing the sting of death. So today I would encourage each one of us to express our commitment, even just quietly in our hearts, to follow Jesus in light of what we undeniably have experienced is our human condition, that we don't play well with others, that we don't even play well with ourselves, that we're out of sync with, with God, with our neighbor, with ourselves, with all of creation. And he comes to bring that back into renewal and goodness and connection. But I think it's often true that for many of us who've expressed this decision to follow Jesus, there often feels like there's something missing that perhaps 
it feels maybe like a somewhat shallower experience than we expected or we hoped. So yeah, death is taken care of, right? We, we celebrate life with this cross, but what about my life? Am I simply waiting to die to receive the promises and this kingdom thing gets activated? Am I just waiting to die? Well, if we trust Jesus for our deaths, we must also trust him for our lives, and it's important. You know, you may not have realized by now, but I'm not from this country. If you've been here for the five years I've been here, you probably figured that out by now. I'm not Australian. I'm not Welsh. He's Scottish. Aye, freedom. So I'm often asked by people who are planning to visit Scotland about what it's like and where the best places to visit. I've got a couple of... uh, uh, People who are waiting for my response right now, but look, it's Easter, right? I don't have time for that. But they're asking, what are the best places to visit? Cities, castles, and yes, whiskey distilleries. Sometimes they'll ask me that. Not that I would know anything about that. And, And that's probably a good idea, right? To ask someone from there who understands, who's experienced for many years in that place. You know, for example, I wanted to ask, know about Argentina. I was going to plan a trip to Argentina. I'd probably ask Pastor Melody and her family, what's Argentina like? Where should I visit? If I wanted to visit Spain, Where's Ishmael and Karina? I would ask these guys over there, what is it like? What should I do? You know, when we want an insider view or perspective or knowledge, it's best to ask a native, someone from there who understands, a pioneer even, an adventurer, someone who's experienced this. So when we want to know about life and death and about the inadequacies we sometimes feel living this human life, and and we want to know about things both earthly and heavenly, we want to listen to Jesus. For he is qualified to tell us both about life, the earthly human experience, and about heavenly things, eternal things. We're actually been going through the book of Hebrews, and we've been learning there. He is qualified for a couple of reasons. The first is that he is, was, and is, and ever shall be experiencing the full human life. He was fully 100% human. The Hebrews writer says, for this reason, he, Jesus, had to be made like them, fully human in every way. And then Hebrews chapter four, one Jesus who's been tempted in everywhere just as we are. Fully human, experienced every, everything from the hair standing up on his arm when something frightening happened to, to sweat, to grime, to dirt, to abandonment, to grief, to sorrow, to joy, to fellowship, feasting, you know, all the things, going to a wedding, all these things. But not only that, he's at the same time fully God. Even though he set his divinity aside, did not use it for his own advantage, he stepped fully into humanity. He remains also fully God. One of his disciples, Philip, said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Like, past yourself, show us God. You're great, but show us God. What did Jesus say? Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. That is a mystery but this is what we believe. So we want to listen to him. He is qualified to teach us. And I want us to hear this morning that Christ's resurrection, the pinnacle of of this story, about which we think we may have enough knowledge to create a spoiler alert for somebody else, it will never more adequately connect with our lives if we fail to listen more closely to what Jesus has to say to us. Because here's how often 
our Christian faith has played out in our culture. You know, we are very enculturated by our society. We like to think that we are a people set apart, that we're different, that we're holy, but we're very much like the culture in which we find ourselves, which builds bridges, that's wonderful, but there's some negative things that cause, are caused in this American culture for people seeking to follow Jesus that sometimes we don't even notice. And what it is, is an individualistic faith. Me. So many of the worship songs we sing just say me, me, I. Sometimes we change them to the, to the plural, to say we, us. You know, and it was never meant to be this way. I've got a slide here. This is often what our faith is like. Christ has risen. I'm in a relationship with him now. This, the sign above, which is kind of a new song symbol as well, is the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's relational. It's a relationship of love. And I'm invited to experience this relationship and that's often where it begins and ends and anything else is, is kind of shallow. But it was never intended to be this way. We need this other horizontal aspect to our faith, which is illustrated here. I have an experience with other people who together collectively have an experience with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit in this relationship, this, this community, this communing with God. And that's often what is missing. And it's what we need to hear about this resurrection because if I just come on Sunday morning, I say he is risen, I solely see it like I'm in some kind of perspex box and it's happening and activated for me inside of the space and don't see the implications for this, I am gonna miss all the riches and goodness and yes, trouble at times that shape us and grow us that God intends his resurrection to bring to us. Let's look at Jesus. What's the first thing Jesus is recorded as doing pretty much is that he formed a gang and I don't mean a dangerous kind of gang. I'm from Scotland. The gangs in my time were just like, you know, nothing to be afraid of. I know it's a bit different in Southern California. I'm talking about simply like the camaraderie of a group of friends who hang out together, who share secrets and secret handshakes and confidences and maybe get up to mischief together. Jesus got up to holy mischief with his gang of people. He called them, follow me, follow me. One of the first things he did is not from his high lofty place, remote and separate. He ate with these men, he walked with these men, he lived with these men, they traveled together everywhere they went. You know, he was following what the single most important commandment, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and connected to it, love your neighbor. And he created a neighborhood around himself. He expanded it. And his little growing gang got to experience in real time what this was all about. Never, occasionally take a couple or a few with him. He would often, before the dawn, go away into a, a hillside to pray. That's important, we need solitude. But the majority of his time was done in the streets with other people, whether his disciples or the crowd. He was with people, they got to practice it. Whether they were arguing about who was the best among them or simply eating a meal together, they did it together. Jesus seems to teach a few things. One, that his own self can be concretely present through relationships. He said, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. That's pretty profound. Sometimes we say that so easily. Oh yeah, well, there's two or three together, Jesus is here. But do you think about the implications of that? Christ says he is present among us when we gather. He doesn't say the same about solitude. 
He teaches them in some way that God's will can be advanced by their unity, by their togetherness, connectedness. He said, again, truly I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. That's a complicated verse, but I think uh, the root of it is saying that there's something about us coming together in unity that activates something in the will of God. And he goes further. He refers to the relationships between his people as being the evidence, the proof to a watching world that he is God with us. He has been sent. Jesus prays, John 17, may they be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. We are, our connection, our relationships are the evidence to a watching world that this stuff's real. And our culture keeps pushing us away from each other, making us competitors rather than a community. It's all built on that. Christ wants to break that model and set us free from that. And then what we do to one another and neglect to do, Jesus says, somehow we are doing or neglecting to do to him. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You want to love Jesus? You know, this is mystery. Christ has risen. I don't see him sitting here in this room with us. I want to love Jesus. He tells us how to do so. It's not like he's being mysterious. Like, well, it's kind of complicated and mysterious. Like, Jesus, I know I'm kind of in heaven right now, but I'm interceding at the right hand of the Father. And it's like, love your neighbor. Love your brother. Love your sister. So many more examples, but what we're going to do is focus on this week, because this is Holy Week. We have journeyed. Many of us have been in this room on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, and then this morning early in a, a sunrise service. These tell us a lot. I love the rhythms of Holy Week. They're all very different, but they have some common threads, and one of the most common threads through the whole thing is relationships, community. On Thursday, we heard Jesus invited his friends to a meal. We said on Thursday that when Jesus wanted to explain what was happening, he didn't have a, give a, share an ideology or a proclamation or even a scripture. He had a meal with his friends. And then he brought the elements of the meal into this understanding that his body and blood and salvation. And then he invited his friends to watch and wait with him. He didn't go off by himself. He said, come with me. So the first one, he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I've eagerly desired, my friends, I want to be with you this night. I need you to be with me. I've eagerly desired. And then afterwards, he went to the garden. Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He's God. Sure, he doesn't need this. He needed this experience of fellowship. On Friday, we had this cross laid out here and we nailed our names to the cross and it was a dark night. We didn't end with any kind of like conclusion of like, yeah, but it's all gonna be okay. It was a dark, horrific night, especially for his friends. But John tells us a little bit about that night. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, and he's gonna speak, 
So think about this. Jesus is on the cross, a place of suffering, his breath shallow, his lifeblood ebbing from his body. And what does he take the energy to say? Well, he looks down at these friends and he says, woman, here is your son. To Mary, his mother, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. He would take this moment to express so clearly that he wanted them to be connected. A mother is not a mother without a son. A son is not a mother without, a son is not a son without a mother. It's the nature of these relationships. And then on Saturday, when it seemed like all hope was lost, the disciples were gathered together and needed each other, gathered together in sorrow. And then on Sunday, we hear this amazing story of Mary Magdalene who comes to the garden on her own. So she's by herself and she's weeping and she meets a person. She doesn't recognize this person and, and the person asks, what, what are you looking for? She said, you know, they've taken my master and I don't know where they've put him because she sees that he's not there and she doesn't recognize him. She thinks he's a gardener until he speaks her name, Mary, it is I. Like relationship, humanizes, says her name, Mary, it is I, and she recognizes him. The resurrection required relationship for this joy to come, and she goes and tells the disciples who actually don't really believe her, right? Life is very much like the rhythms of Holy Week. You know, I think sometimes we, we can kind of talk about resurrection and we can sing our songs and then we go out and struggle alone often. You know, we are recipients of Christ's salvation. We celebrate today that he is risen, that we can experience this salvation. And, and it's always good on Sundays, it's fun. I got told one time that my, my Easter service was a bit depressing. It was kind of during the pandemic. And I think, no, I think it was just a bit real. Let's not pretend that life is easy. Okay, so here's the thing. We don't live every day in Sunday time. We don't live there. This is not, this is something that we're doing today, but we don't always live in this place where it's just an experience of just joy. You know, the day after Jesus rose from the dead, most likely a Roman soldier brutalized some innocent person. The resurrection occurred and this probably happened. The day after Jesus rose from the dead, the tax collectors in the, in the towns still exploited their own people for their money. The day after Jesus rose from the dead, the rulers abused their power. The day after Jesus rose from the dead, a mother's prayers for her children possibly went unanswered. The day after Jesus rose from the dead, lepers continued to walk the streets of Jerusalem shouting, unclean, unclean. We often live actually in the Thursday of Holy Week. Many of you this morning are in this place like it's a Thursday with this confusion and there's mystery. You're not really sure what's gonna happen. We often live in Friday because we're facing grief and pain, either of a loved one or ourselves, experiencing the mortality of our body. And yes, even death, because that occurred on Friday. We often live in the Saturday of waiting and wondering where has hope gone, as the disciples did. These are serious, important stories to pay attention to, and sometimes we are living on that day, and that is our experience. And yes, sometimes, praise God, we experience the joy of resurrection, with these moments when we're just like, woohoo, nothing can stop me. But if you know human life, it's not always like that. 
But in all these seasons, as in this story, there is no flourishing Christian life or even the possibility of it without other people, without relationships. Christ's resurrection, death and resurrection gives uh, us salvation, not just from something, death, but for something, one another. We are freed into relationship, not off, away from relationship, but deeper into relationship. Christ's salvation is a gift that may be for you, but it is not for you. It is for the glory of God, and it's for the flourishing of this community. That's why he saves you, to build his kingdom and his people. And you don't get to choose who you associate with that in, that, in, in that kingdom because his disciples were a bunch of crazy people with nothing in common. And it got worse as the story went on. Of course, there was trouble and problems and disputes and disunity. Most of the letters in the New Testament are to churches that were having a terrible time of loving each other. But this is what we're called to, God's kingdom. And our culture is not like that. You know, pastors often talk about these easy things in culture that they point their finger at and say, that's evil, that's bad. There's much deeper stuff going on that Christ cares about. Much deeper stuff that dehumanizes us. This constant cycle of individualism and consumerism and separation, that is dangerous for us. We were never meant to be alone. I'd say there's no flourishing, healthy human life, not just Christian life, but life anyway without other people. I shared earlier about secular songs and why they do them, and I'm gonna quote from one, because they often tell truth, and I'm not sure, Paul Simon, Simon Garfunkel, anyone? Yeah, great, great songwriter. And he wrote this song, and I'm not sure if he was saying it sarcastically, but Paul Simon often took a, the position of like autobiographically, rather than some people sing about someone, he would often sing about, this is me, and put on some kind of guise, this, this, and there's a lot of truth in it. So his song, I Am A Rock, it says this, a winter's day in a deep and dark December. I am alone. I am a rock. I am an island. I built walls, a fortress deep and mighty that none may penetrate. I have no need of friendship. Friendship causes pain. If I had never loved, I never would have cried. I am a rock. I'm an island. And a rock feels no pain. And an island never cries. And I think he was singing that kind of ironically. Because I think one thing human beings realize that no, none of us are rocks. I don't think it's any surprise that Jesus is called the rock, <laughs> you know? I don't know if Paul Simon's thinking at all about that. Probably not. Probably because he was a rock singer, you know? I heard that was going to be a connection. But that's not the message of the gospel. Nothing could be further from the truth. I am a frail person in need of the presence of others that God places in my life, in my life. I'm going to share a couple of scriptures that this point to this, this is you know, past Jesus, he's risen, the church has been doing his thing, and Paul's writing letters to these churches, and when he says this, for God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, that's good news, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. We may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as you were doing. There's a well done attaboy in the letter amongst lots of other stuff that's not so good. Just as you were doing, be together. Second one, 1 Thessalonians chapter four. Brothers and sisters, we, do, we read this at funerals, right? We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Where's the hope found? We believe that Jesus died and rose again. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 
Encourage one another with these words or they will fail if, if it's just this idea that you're separately experiencing. The reason that we have community in funerals and, and have a mic share, pass the mic around, is because we need that encouragement. We need it. I met someone else outside uh, who's visiting with us today and uh, this mentioned that 2023 has been hard for them. And I was thinking, I'm kind of talking about that today. I thought 2023 was going to be a much better time because it couldn't really, I didn't think, be much worse than a lot of the stuff we've had for the past few years, right? A safer, gentler, more predictable time. But it has turned out to be anything but that for me and my family. I, in, in the space of about two weeks, um, by the end of February, I lost, tragically lost my only sister. I lost my mother-in-law and her sister, all in the space of about two weeks. And man, it hurts more than I could have ever imagined. And all the whys don't seemingly have any answers. And here at New Song, we have had a lot of losses over the past year or so. And, and every single one of us, no matter who you are, has faced the troubles of this experience that we call human. And so the afternoon, end of February, when I heard that my sister had been admitted to hospital in serious condition, was a Wednesday afternoon. And what falls on Wednesday afternoon is student ministries, which currently I am participating in along with some, some other folks here. And, and I was meant to be teaching. So this is like two hours or an hour or so before I'm heading to go do my job, right? My job, signed up for it, you gotta do it. Um, so I had a choice to make. You know, in light of this horrible news, I could stay home and no one would criticize me for doing so or I could go and be with the students. And I'm not saying this is like a thing you, if you don't do that in grief, you don't go again. It's nothing to do with it. It's just me individually, personally. I made that decision to go. I chose that even to go be with my community. And what did I do when I got there? I talked about Jesus. I talked about Jesus. And I can tell you, it didn't make the pain go away. There was this haunting fog of sorrow in me and worry. But I believe that day Christ ministered to me in my place of need through the students and the adults who got together in that little youth room over there. And I felt blessed by their presence in my life. And since then, I've, I've always said, how are you doing, Grant? My wife's actually arranging a funeral for her mother up there. I'm going next, next weekend to that memorial service. People ask, how are you doing? And, and I've not experienced a loss of someone so close to me, never mind several together. You know, many of you have, and maybe you'll identify, sometimes I say, I feel flat. I just feel flat, I feel sad, and I feel flat, like the color's kind of gone out of the world. And, but I discovered that there's a common theme to the moments when I don't feel so flat, and actually when I feel ministered to, I feel the love of God, and feel his resurrection, and his presence, and it's always been when I'm with other people in an intentional kind of situation of talking about Christ, and sharing life with all kinds of people, whether it's there at San Dimas Retirement Center, we've got some folks from there this morning with us, we love you guys. Or whether it's at Charter Oak, Mobile Home State Next Door, or Student Ministries, or Sunday morning, or Coffee in the Courtyard, or Thursday Connect with all the students who come for coffee on Thursdays. Or seeing one of you just in a passing conversation on Sunday, or just out in the street, we're like, oh, here's you, it's, how you doing, you know? Or DJing, as I do sometimes, and play vinyl records at Smog City. This is life. And here is my conviction, which I've learned over the past few weeks for sure, is that we, if we want to experience the resurrection of Jesus, we will most 
fully experience it in a deepening experience of community where you risk, right? Sometimes relationships can be difficult, but you will take that risk because you want to know Jesus, the fellowship of his suffering and also his glory. There's no such thing as a solitary relationship with living Jesus. And it's not easy. But when did Jesus ever promise that following him would be easy? That's another curse from our culture, right? If something's not easy or leads to more comfort or less pain, it's probably not a good idea. But we all know that's not true. That's not true. But it is it's good. It is peace and joy in life. So Farid has given me permission to share a little bit. My dear friend Farid, often many of you know him as Fred, and he lives in the San Dimas Retirement Center. And we go there every Wednesday and do some ministry. And the reason that we go there is Farid called up the church one day just looking for a ride to church. And it opened up, God opened up this door of presence with so many other people who are here this morning and who we go visit every Wednesday. But the first time I went to, met Farid, we had lunch together, and he told me about his story. And he tragically lost um, his family, his entire family in Hurricane Katrina when he was actually away at sea working and came back to this horrific Horrific situation of devastating loss. So the first time I was in his room, I noticed on his wall, he has pictures of his daughter and his family members on the wall. But uh, over time, as he started becoming more involved in our thing, I noticed that more things were appearing on Farid's wall. And what they are was cards from people here written to Farid expressing their love and care for him. And so when I go and see that, I see the resurrection in that, those acts on that wall. And I think, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. When we gather together in worship or Sundays or any other time, I think, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. When we, you or I or anyone, visit someone who is suffering, we just simply sit with them quietly by their side for as long as is necessary. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. When we have a funeral or a memorial service, we have two services coming up soon. We declare together that death has been swallowed up in victory, not by ourselves, but together as a community. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. When the wheels fall off my own life and I find myself the recipient, unasked for, of food and hugs and presence, Christ is risen He is risen indeed. When we serve food to our pantry guests that we grew in the garden that we tend, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. When I meet someone in the garden, discover that we've got a lot of things in common and we feel this resonance of relationships starting to grow and bubble. And I'm like, Christ, you're here and Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. When I see Cecilia and Rudy Tarango and Winnie and a bunch of other people serving the school kids with coffee and snacks and hearing them welcoming these kids with love and seeing them with warm welcome, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. 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 You know, Melody, you said about that cross, I was thinking the same thing. We made that. We made that together. I can't think, you know, we've done this every year, but it's taken a whole new meaning today. Like everyone, pretty much everyone in this room came, contributed something to this messy thing that's absolutely beautiful and random and, you know, never going to be another one like it. It's a unique thing that happened because of who's in this room today. And that's what our life should be like. We bring what we have. I'm going to invite the band to come up.
um, our wonderful musicians. Um, and I just want to say, in closing, if you're not part of a community to which you are committed, I would recommend, uh, uh, well, first I will tell you that I don't think you'll ever experience the fullness of Christ's resurrection. If your life mostly consists of a vertical relationship with God and has very little to do with this horizontal connection, deepening relationship with, not with people who you choose to be with, but who God sends into your life, which means you're going to have to work with grace and forgiveness and honesty. And I don't just mean any type of community, like a golf club or whatever it might be. I mean a community that continually places Jesus Christ at the center of all that it does and continually points you toward him, past themselves, past me, past Melody, past the leadership in the church, but to Jesus and sharing that life, baptizing and worshiping and praying and serving the community and sharing resources and listening and weeping and rejoicing together as God's will is accomplished through the community collectively, welcoming others. I'd encourage you to do that today. If you don't have a place to, to call home in terms of a church community, you're always welcome here. Regardless of what your belief is right now, whether you're wondering about all these things, you are welcome. Questions are welcome. And you will experience the remarkable life of Jesus that we celebrate as being present among us today. We're going to sing now. You guys ready? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's worship the risen Lord Jesus. And then we'll take communion together.
So uh, we uh, have communion. We take communion every every Sunday. It kind of came out at the time of the pandemic when we we realised there's certain things that we can't do when we're apart and that are so wonderful and important when we're together. And so we thought, let's just do this every week uh, for several reasons. Um, I have some scripture I'm going to share with you, hopefully briefly, <laughs> and um, it's from 1 Corinthians 11, and it's a passage that is often read. Once again, spoiler alert, this, this is common to anyone who's been in church for a long time will know this passage, but there's some other parts that are also very helpful to listen to. So the first thing, well, Paul writes, I received from the Lord what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Um, but once again, we can see this become a very individualized circumstance. And earlier I mentioned that many of the letters in the New Testament were written to churches in trouble. And 1 Corinthians is one of the worst culprits. They were really, really struggling with a lot of things. So this passage appears in the midst of a lot of hard language about what's going on. And so this follows right after that passage. Uh, sorry, this is right before. Um, it says, in the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. So simply just taking communion without recognizing the importance of this relational thing that we're doing is, is, according to Paul, a really, really harmful thing. And then, so he says, so then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. He also talks about the body, that we should discern the body, both the body of Christ and also the body that is the church. So we can invite whomever uh, desires to follow Jesus and Right now, that may just be like, okay, this is kind of new to me, but there's something compelling about this person, Jesus, and I want to step onto that path. This doesn't mean you have to sign a whole statement right now about everything you believe that aligns perfectly with everyone else in the room. Not at all, right? We talk about essentials, that Jesus is the one that we want to know and follow. He is the one who died for us and rose again, and he is the one that calls us to follow him. If that is you this morning, Come and take communion. It may be the first time. It's a physical act saying, yes, this is what I want to do with my life. I'm tired of the status quo, and I want to be part of a community that, where we love one another and we love God. Um, so what we're going to do is might take a little time again, but at the front here, there's a station. Uh, Melody and I will be down here, and there's another one at the back. Fuzz and Chris will be there, a couple of our elders. In your own time, get up out of your seat, come and receive if you want to make that proclamation today that Jesus is Lord, the bread and the cup, and then go back with them to your seat and we will take them together in a moment.
there anyone who needs uh, served uh, at their seat? Uh, raise your hand if you need uh, someone to bring the elements to you. taking this bread we recognize that Christ is risen that we there's no hindrance anymore between us and God and he is breaking down the barriers between people that we are welcomed into this space into one another's lives to share our burdens to share our joys Lord you are Lord of all and you are our closest friend thank you that you did not leave us in our weak and broken condition but you offer us life may this this bread nourishes us may your spirit nourish our spirits to follow you in Jesus name Amen Lord we recognize that every sin every act or word or deed that falls so far short of your holiness and your glory was future when you gave your life for us while we were sinners Christ died for us this is love that one would lay down their life for their friends and you have called us friends we take this cup in remembrance and thanksgiving that we are free of condemnation we are free amen thank you Lord we are free for others free to love one another and we are free to sing praises to the king let's sing together <laughs> 